The Word of God, the Bible, that's what we're talking about. The greatest seller of all time, over 100 million copies sold every single year. Over 5 billion sold in the modern day era. The Bible is everywhere on every continent and every place and city. And it is the Word of God. It is God's written Word that you and I get to be able to read. We get to hear God speak to us. We get God to uh, encourage us through His Word, to empower us through His Word. It is the greatest book of all time, but more than that, it is a living book. It's not a dead book. That's the Word of God. That's what we're talking about. And when we were talking about finding your joy in the journey... I want you to know that one of the key places you find your joy in the journey of life is through God's Word. And so I want to challenge you. Have you been into God's Word lately? Have you experienced it? Have you read it? Have you taken time to just get away from this busyness of this world and just read His Word? I continue to find excitement in God's Word. And I want you to know that the Bible has inspired more things than any other thing on the face. It has inspired more written messages. It has inspired more stories. It has inspired more books. And by the way, it has inspired and written more songs out of the Bible than any other source in human history. Think about that. Why is the Bible so important? That's why it's so important. It has been changing lives, transforming lives. It has been impacting lives from generation to generation to generation. And God gave it to us, you and me. And he told us that if we read it and we digest it and we stand upon it, that he would use us to take this and transform our society. But the question is, do you believe that? Do you believe that the power is in this word to change a life? I do. I've seen it. I've seen hundreds, if not thousands, of people's lives changed by the Bible. You see, there's an interesting fact. The enemies of Christianity has also realized how important the Bible is to the spread of the kingdom of God. And they know that it is the seed, it is the power, it is the pinnacle thing that the enemies of God need to get rid of and convince you not to get into it. The enemies of God are not dumb. They know that this is where the power is, so they will do everything in your power to entertain you so you don't get into it. They will do everything in your power to discredit it so you don't read it. It will get you so busy, they will get you so busy, you won't have time for it. But see, that's the trick of the enemy, because he knows when you get into this book, when you read this, and you start meditating on it, and you start praying about it, and you start letting the Holy Spirit speak to you, it'll transform your life. So the enemy tries to keep this away from you. You know, it's interesting. I was, do you know the, that the most stolen book in the world is? Do you know what the most stolen book of the world is? It's the Bible. And maybe because it's free in hotel rooms, I don't know, people steal it, but that's okay because they put them in hotel rooms so people will steal them. It's one of those things where they say, steal me, steal me, take it with you, right? But it is. It's the most stolen book in the history of the world. And and I've said, and the enemies of Christianity know how powerful it is. You see, in the New Testament, we read of those who violently sought to overthrow the case of Christ in Acts. We see it in the Gospels. We read of disciples dying a martyr's death because of their faith and their belief in the Word of God. Early in the history of Christianity, 
Andrea wrote, many martyrs are daily burned, crucified, and beheaded before our eyes. For many years, Christianity was outlawed by the Roman government. From the time of Trajan, when he reigned from 98 to 117, all the way to Constantine in about the 300 AD Rome. Virtually every one of the Roman emperors was opposed to Christianity. And it is true, not all of them actively tried to suppress it, but few of them encouraged, but a few of them ever encouraged Christianity other than Constantine. So it is true. And they, what they would do is they would outlaw the Bible in the Roman Empire. See, they would, they would put things on it, and they would, they would take people's lives. They would burn them on stakes, and they would crucify them to stakes, and they would, they would throw them to lions and tigers and in the Colosseum because they stood upon the principles of the Word of God. As a matter of fact, when the letters were starting to circulate, which make up the New Testament, Diocletian went on a mission and he was one of the emperors of the Roman Empire. He outlawed any copies of the scriptures, any copies of the gospels or letters that were written to churches that spoke about Jesus Christ. They were outlawed across the Roman Empire. If you owned a copy and they raided your house, you would be killed. And so the mission was sent by this enemy of the word of God to eradicate it, to get rid of it. Then he even gave a point where he said, I'll show you mercy. But the only way I'll show you mercy is if you bring all of your scriptures to the center of the square and you pile them up and you burn them and I'll let you live. But if you are caught with this, you're going to die. During his time, many copies of the Bible were burned, many letters, many of the letters that Paul wrote, some of the letters that others wrote. But uh, it's interesting that to deny the faith meant that you had to surrender the scriptures, but it was amazing how many people didn't. But multitudes hastened to deny the faith and to surrender their copies of the scriptures. Many confessing born-again Christians gave up their word. Many more bore the most horrible tortures and refused with their last breath to ever surrender the scriptures in any way or compromise their faith in any way. But after the edict had been enforced for about two years, Diocletian got on his throne, and he boasted this, and this is exactly what he said. You can go look at it in history. I have completely exterminated the Christian writings from the face of the earth. I have completely, 100% destroyed them. That's what he said. And he was so proud of himself. But amazingly, things happen. History tells us that the next ruler after this ruler was a guy by the name of Constantine who became a Christian after he had this vision of the Malavian Bridge and how God would give him a victory. And he saw this red cross in the sky and the Lord told him that if he followed him, he'd give him the victory at the Malavian Bridge and he got the great victory. And then guess what he does? He makes Christianity the religion of the Roman Empire. Well, what was amazing... As soon as he took office, because there were not a whole lot of scriptures being circulated, he requested that copies of the scriptures be made for all churches within the Roman Empire. 
Diocletian, though, had just recently, a few years ago, stated he had obliterated the Word of God. But after Constantine, you know what he did? He offered a substantial reward for anyone who would bring a copy of the Scriptures to him so that they could be reproduced by scribes. Within hours of his edict, 50 copies of the Bible were brought to him so that they could continue to scribe them. It wasn't the printing press days, amen? It was scribing them. And, and so he fulfilled his promise, and he got Scripture, the Bible, into every single church across the Roman Empire. And yet there is this Diocletian who tried to wipe the Word of God out and failed miserably. Then you can read on in history, the Bible has many enemies of the Bible, even those that profess on some occasions, to be its friends under other circumstances. But they turned enemy to it. During the Middle Ages, for example, the Roman Catholic Church burned thousands of copies of the Bible because the, the, the elite within the Roman Catholic Church did not think the common man, the common person, should be able or allowed to read the Word of God. They burned thousands of copies of Scripture because they didn't believe regular people should have a copy of the Bible. They even, by the way, tortured some and crucified some. Then you have the story of Voltaire, the noted French individual who hated Christianity, hated the Bible. Many call him an infidel, what an infidel basically means is one who is not a Christian and who poses Christianity. He died in 1778, but he made an attempt to destroy the Bible. And he boldly made the prediction that within 100 years, the Bible and Christianity would be wiped off from the face of the earth and would no longer exist from his ability to be able to wipe out the Scriptures. But Voltaire's efforts in his bold prophecy failed as miserably as did those of his unbelieving predecessors or those who followed him. In fact, this is how God works, by the way, in fact, within 100 years of his prediction, the very printing press upon which Voltaire had printed his non-Christian, non-Bible literature was being used in copies of the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. And afterward, the very house in which the boasting Voltaire had lived was literally stacked with Bibles prepared by the Geneva Bible Society. And Voltaire and all of his cohorts miserably failed. Does that say something about the power of the Word of God? Does that say something about why we need to get into this Word? We know that people have died so that you and I could have our own personal copy of the Bible. People have given up their lives so that you and I could have a personal copy of the Bible. And yet, it is the most sold book in the world. I think it's even stated that over 80-plus percent of people have Bibles in their homes. But my question as your pastor is, are you reading them? <laughs> are you letting the Holy Spirit speak to you through the living word? Are you digesting what it says? Are you reading the Old Testament stories? Are you reading the New Testament stories? Are you telling your kids about what's in the Bible? Are you letting your kids be taught the Bible? Are you getting your kids involved in youth groups so they can hear the Word of God and learn about how important the Word of God is? And the same could be said for kids' ministries. And how about us adults? We, we never get to the point where we quit learning what's in the Bible. 
We should be actively, passionately going after the Scriptures on a daily basis. See, God's written word, the Bible, when followed and obeyed, gives joy to our hearts and revives our souls from the ravages of sin. That's why it's here. It's why God gave it to us. And if you want to find joy in the journey of life, you need to get into your Bibles. You need to get into the Word of God. You need to listen to the Word of God. You need to, there's even audio, uh, visual Bibles out there, AD series you can watch. You can watch them. You can listen to them. You can read about it. You can read books about it. But it's up to us to be able to have the passion, the drive, and the hunger to want to know more of God's Word and to get a divine wisdom and revelation that only comes from His Word so that we may know Him better. Because I've been at this thing for over 40 plus years and I've studied the Bible and I've read the Bible and I've read books on the Bible and I've listened to the Bible. I've listened to, I don't know how many sermons on the Bible. And I want to tell you something. I only know this much about God. And He's like this. But you have to have a passion. I can't give you that passion. I can let you kind of catch a glimpse of my passion and how I love the Word, but I can't make you read your Bibles. Nobody can make you read your Bibles. I believe you need to ask that the Holy Spirit will lay within your heart a desire and a hunger for the Word of God and the things of God. I pray it will be as strong as it is as you vote for the Bears. Or the Vikings. <laughs> or the Patriots. <laughs> but I pray your passion would be as passionate as those fans that are at those games. I pray you be shouting hallelujah for Jesus in the Bible, amen, in the Gospels. I pray you be jumping up and down and dancing. And it's okay if you want to get dressed up and look kind of crazy for the Bible. I'm okay with that. I pray you're that kind of a fan. I pray you're that hungry for the things of God because that's what matters in life. And we need to know that God gave us his word. He gave us scripture to speak to our heart. It says in Psalm 19, verses 7 through 9, it says this. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. And by the way, law there stands for the Bible. It really stands for the first five books of the Bible, but it stands for God's word that it does what? It is perfect, and what does it do? It revives the soul from the ravages of sin. If you feel downtrodden, if you feel gloomy and all this stuff, get into your word. God's word will revive your soul. It'll give you hope in the midst of a hopeless situation. It'll give you light in the midst of a dark tunnel. It'll tell you there's a way that nothing is impossible with God, that God does miracles. It'll give you stories of miracles of God doing miracles. But you've got to get into it to experience it. You've got to get into it to experience the living God. There's also, it says, the statues, which once again, the Word of God, are trustworthy, making wise the simple. I don't know about you, but I'm a pretty simple-minded person, but it's the Word of God that makes us wise. It's His Word, His teachings, His insights that give us wisdom. And I'll say it again if you haven't heard me say it. Wisdom is the ability to use knowledge rightly and correctly. You cannot use knowledge rightly and correctly without the Bible and without wisdom. I don't care how much knowledge you have. I don't care if it's right on Google. 
I don't care if you ask Google a question. If you don't know how to apply the knowledge that Google gives you, guess what? It means nothing. You want to be wise? Get into your word. The precepts, the teachings of the Lord, the word of God, they are right giving what? Everybody say Giving joy to the heart. Here we go. There's our key. You want to find joy in a journey? It says it right there. The precepts of the Lord are right, and they give joy to your heart when you get into it. When you get into the teachings of God's word, it'll give you joy. It'll make you bubble up on the inside. It'll encourage you. It'll make you laugh. The Bible makes me laugh. Did you know that? The Bible gives you humor. The commands of the Lord are radiant. Once again, Scripture, giving light to the eyes. Has God's word enlightened your eyes lately? Have you seen things when you're reading God's word you've never seen before? I do. I read scripture. Then things happen in my day and I go, wow, that's coincidence. No, I don't think it's coincidence. I read something and then then that day something in line with what I read is very applicable to what I read that morning. See, that's how God works. And his word is radiant. It gives light to our eyes so that we can see. And I look at people today, and some people come to me and say, did you hear what they did on TV? Did you hear about these guys in the political realm and what they said and all that? You know what I say? You just got to realize something. They're deceived by the enemy. If you do not have God's word, you live in darkness. And what you do doesn't make sense. What you do is filled with hatred. What you do is filled with vengeance. What you do is what the world does, amen? If you don't have God's word as your light that radiates and opens your eyes, you're never going to see it because you're deceived and you're deep in darkness. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. And righteous just means that I have a right standing with God, but it's not just the right standing with God, it's that I'm in a right relationship with God intimately. Are you in a right relationship with God intimately? Because if you are, the Word of God is part of that whole thing. It's part of that connecting point, and you need to jump in. You know, I talked earlier about how I really pray the church gets excited about the Bible like people get excited about the bears. I have down my block is this one home, and, and the guy that lives there is an avid sports fan. He even has his whole garage set up as a man cave, and he's got this, the biggest TV I've ever seen in my life. And, and anytime there's a Bears game, a Blackhawks game, a Bulls game, you know, because I, I, I walk every night, and I walk by, and the garage doors open, and there's five or six guys there, yeah, Bears! They're a little toasted sometimes, too. And I walked by the other night, and they were, they were kind of gloomy because the bears weren't doing very well. But I remembered the times they were pretty excited. And I said, Lord, I really pray the church gets excited about your word like these guys get excited about the bears. I pray they understand word of God is way better than the bears. Much more fulfilling. I know you don't want to hear this. You will not take the bears to heaven with you. Sorry. Or it could be whoever, whatever your team is. Some it's the Green Bay Packers. We continue to pray for the cheeseheads, but it could be the Green Bay Packers. 
Could be the Pittsburgh Steelers. Doesn't matter. They don't go to heaven with you. This does. Tony Dungy, anybody heard his name? Famous football coach, uh, won a Super Bowl, coached the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, just, he's really a man of God. He's also a sports announcer today. I think he's on, I can't remember what channel he's on, but I see him every once in a while on the channels there. I read his book a while back, and he was commenting on football, sports, recreation in his book. And listen to what he says. Now, he's won the Super Bowl, okay? He has the trophy. He says, I love coaching football, and winning a Super Bowl was a goal I had for a long time. But, he says, it was never been my purpose in life. Let me say that again. But it has never been my purpose in life. My purpose in life is simply to glorify God in everything I do, including coaching football. We have to be careful that we don't let the pursuit of life or sports, no matter how important they seem, that causes us to lose sight of our purpose and our connection with God. I coach football, but the good I can do to the glory, but the good I can do to way is my real purpose. Can I hear an amen to that? See, God's definition, he says, of success is really one of significance. The significant difference our lives can make in the lives of others. The significance doesn't show up in win and loss records. It doesn't end up with long resumes or the trophies that gather dust on our mantles. It's found in the hearts and the lives of those we've come across who are in some way better because of the way we lived and the way we role modeled Christ to them. He even said it's about the journey. Here we are, we've been talking about the journey. It's about the journey, mine and yours, he says, and the lives we can touch along the way, the legacy we can leave, and the world we can change for the better. See, your life has been intentionally designed by God to have a uniquely significant and eternal impact on the world around you. What will people remember of us? What will they remember my legacy for? I pray they remember that my legacy, he says, is about how I honored the Lord Jesus Christ even when I won a Super Bowl. About how I raised my family to be Christian. How I invested in my kids to love the Lord. You see, are other people's lives better because we lived? Did we make a difference? Did we use the fullest gifts and abilities God gave us for his kingdom? Did we give our best effort and did we do it for the right reasons? That's what he says. And then lastly, he says, remember that mentorship, leadership is all about serving. Jesus said, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. I think he speaks it very well in our society today. We need to get into this. We need to be as excited about this as we are as excited about our sports teams. 
we need to prioritize this like we prioritize our sports. And I can add other things. I can add recreation. I can even add work. We all know there's things that keep us from getting into this. You know, I've been telling you we've been kind of, we're not even going to get into Psalm 119 today. But there's, there's a phrase in Psalm 119. And by the way, I'm going to give you some homework. Pastor Mike, I don't like homework. It's okay, it's the word of God. <laughs> I want you to read Psalm 119. By the way, it is the longest chapter in the Bible. So just so you know, it follows the Hebrew alphabet. But I want you to read it. Read Psalm 119. You're going to read 176 verses. Out of 171 verses in Psalm 119, 171 out of 176 speak about the Bible. It's just going to talk about the Bible. It's going to talk about the importance of the Bible, the writer who wrote this psalm, and it's kind of debated who it is, whether it's Daniel or whether it's um, uh, David or whether it's uh, somebody else. It doesn't matter. What matters is this person talks about how the Bible was there to help them through trials and tribulations, through plots, through treachery, through people trying to take them out, through other people trying to undermine them, and through all these different things. And he keeps bringing the Bible back up as what helped them, what encouraged them, what paved the way, what broke through the barrier, what knocked down the wall. Ezra is the other one I was thinking of. Because he went back to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall and got all kinds of opposition. But see, read Psalm 119, digest it, put it in your heart. Because it is going to convey to you how important it is to put the Bible at the top of your busy list. It should be here. Not here. Not there. Yeah, yeah. How you doing? Good to see you, God. I got to go get the kids off to do this and do that. Hey, hey, oh, that was nice. Off I go. That's how we treat the Bible. That's how we treat God's word. And can I say this? The Lord God wants you to pick it up. He wants you to open it up. And he wants you to read it. Why? Because he has a message for you. He has, within these scriptures, will reveal to you your identity. You are created in the image of God. That's your identity, spoken about in scripture. When the devil came along and deceived Adam and Eve, he took away their identity and made them sinners because they listened to him. But also when God created us, he gave us a divine purpose. Talked about in scripture, given to Adam and Eve in the garden that they were to go replenish and subdue the earth and rule the earth. The devil deceived them, took that away. And the third thing God gave them was a relationship in the Garden of Eden, one-on-one with God in his presence. And the devil deceived them and stole that away from Adam and Eve. But a guy by the name of Jesus Christ came along and gave it all back. And I think we're going to be held more accountable for what we do with God's word today than anybody in the Old Testament. Because Jesus came to show us who, what our identity is, what our purpose is, and that we can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and with God the Father. Amen? Amen. Let's stand as we close. Lord, we thank you for your word. Oh, how I love your Bible.
Oh, Jesus, how I love what you tell us through it, how you've spoken to me thousands of times when I picked it up, and one verse springs out at me and speaks directly to what I'm going through. I thank you, Lord, when I was called to this church, you gave me a text out of Proverbs that spoke to me about why I needed to come to Christian Hills, and you said, with the strength of an ox comes an abundant harvest. And so you called me here, God. Lord, I pray the Bible will become that or real in life to every single person that's listening online today and every single person in this congregation today. I pray this week that they would take up the challenge to read Psalm 119, Lord, and that you would speak to them through every verse of Psalm 119, all 176 verses. I pray that they would rediscover the Bible. I pray it would change their lives and renew their strength and just touch them supernaturally God. I pray it would speak to their problems I pray it would deliver them and set them free I pray it would give them wisdom and insight this week God so Lord I pray that you would call your church back to your word I pray that you would remind us of how important it is for us to get into your word every day and when we do this we will find joy in this journey of life and we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right, I'm going to ask you, how many are going to commit to read Psalm 119 this week? Raise your hand. It's between you and God. All right, got a lot of hands there. Read Psalm 119. If the Lord speaks to you, says something to you, ministers to you, shoot me an email and let me know. Will you do that? Well, God bless you. Have a great week. If you still need prayer, uh, I'll be down front here. I'll be happy to pray with you. God bless. Have a great day. Promises will not fail.